Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Decatur City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Decatur City Church app where you can find access to all of our recent message content. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope you enjoy the following presentation and I hope it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. All right, I tell you, I don't know what you think when you see that question, but for me, it's hustle. Like, it's, uh, it's hard work. Like, that's what uh, I see something, and I'm just like, I got I to gotta get after it. I got to start working hard. And I know some of you are like, not me. Like, I just, you know, like, some of you are just, like, naturally talented. Like, you don't have to work hard for anything. And um, by the way, you're the ones that drive all the rest of us crazy. Like, if you didn't know, if you're wondering, like, who's, who's that? It's you. Um, but uh, I know, like, I know some of you are good at things like all the time, um, but all of us every once in a while, like we just, like it's just our day, right? Like you've had that happen before, like maybe playing like a sporting event or like a game, or maybe it was like a test in school or a relationship or a job. Like you just, you were successful at it. Like that was, you know, your moment. It was your game. Like you would even say like, Maybe I got lucky this time. Like, I don't know. Like, I certainly didn't work that hard. Like, I wasn't prepared. I don't know that I deserve it. Like, and when that happens to us, right, it, it feels good. It feels like we got away with something. Like, we kind of look around and we hope nobody noticed because it kind of feels like we cheated some system, right? Um, I remember back in grad school, I took this class one night and it was insanely hard. It was so difficult. Um, and the start of every class, there was a quiz. And the quiz was simply five questions long. The professor would call out the questions. You'd just write down the answers on like a scrap sheet of paper. And the quiz covered <clears throat> all the reading from the week before. Now, when I say all the reading, like I'm talking hundreds of pages of reading and all the footnotes, okay? And so like, and there's five questions. So you miss one and you're almost done, right? Like these things were so difficult. And I was sitting next to one of my best friends at the time, and he and I were, uh, we took this class together, and he was so prepared that night. So when we swapped papers to grade, um, we kind of looked at each other, knowing exactly what was about to happen. Um, only this time, it didn't happen. And sure enough, the, the professor called out the first answer, and I got it right, and he got it wrong. And like, I hadn't read at all, y'all. Like, I mean, I wasn't prepared for this at all. I mean, in fact, when we traded papers, I was like, hey, this is going to get ugly. All right. And so he's kind of giving me the sly eye. And then question two, like, I got it right. He got it wrong. Y'all, he had like made notes on the notes on like highlighted. I mean, this wasn't supposed to happen this way. Question three, question four. Sure enough, we get to the last question. And when the professor calls out the answer, I got them all right. I got a hundred by guessing and he got them all wrong and he was furious and he did exactly what you or I would do, but he did it like we would do it silently. He did it out loud. Like as soon as the professor called out the last question, my friend stands up in front of hundreds of people and he goes, that's not fair. And everybody turns and looks. And then for effect, he throws in one of these nice and you're a jerk. And I was like, Gosh, and he was livid. And I'm just like howling. I am laughing, right? Uh, Because I didn't know what else to do. But like, I mean, we can relate, right? We know exactly how that felt for him. I mean, I didn't prepare. He did. I won. He lost. I got them all right. He got them all wrong. And it wasn't fair. It wasn't how it was supposed to work. It wasn't how it was supposed to go. And we love it. I mean, like we absolutely love it when that happens in our favor, right? Like it's the best when all of a sudden it feels like we kind of got away with something, you know, you like by the sweat of your brow, you made it. You're just, you feel so fortunate, but come on, come on. Like 
it's the worst when it happens at our expense, right? Like when you have spent all of that time cultivating that relationship, pouring into that girl or that guy, and like all of a sudden some cuter, younger, richer, better look, whatever version comes along, and like all of a sudden you're out, right? And you're like, wait, you didn't desert, you didn't work hard for that. Or like you have poured your life into that company. You've given them the best years of your life, and then all of a sudden some younger person comes in, and they don't deserve it, but they took your spot in the meeting, or, or they got your promotion, or they got your bonus, they got your job, and all of a sudden you are furious, right? Like it makes us so angry when somebody comes in and gets what we feel like we deserve, especially when it feels like they didn't work hard for it. Like, and this shows up everywhere. It shows up in those, those petty little generational disagreements that we all have. Like, this is why the greatest generation looks at the boomers, right? And they're like, they don't work hard for anything. They had everything so easy for them. Or why the boomers look at people like me and they're like, you guys don't even value hard work. You, you know, Gen X and millennials, you, you don't know what the value of hard work is. Or it's why every good liberal young millennial gets so mad at Gen Z when they start talking about free tuition and having their education paid for. And they're like, mm-mm. That wasn't something I got, no way, right? It shows up in our politics. It's why, it's why the liberals are automatically suspicious of the fabulously wealthy. They're like, something's up here. Somebody cheated, somebody got something they didn't deserve. And it's why the conservatives, they look over and anytime somebody talks about government help or government aid, they're like, no, 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 no. That's not fair. That's not what we deserve, right? Like it shows up all over the place because it's like, it's kind of like, we live by this unwritten code, right? Now, and maybe it's written down somewhere that I don't know about, but it's this unwritten code that everything should be fair, that like inputs and outputs should equal, that like everybody should get what they deserve. And when it's not fair or when it feels unfair to us, all of a sudden the, the unwritten code says somehow we got shorted, right? Like we got the short end of the stick somehow, right? And it is infuriating when it feels like we get the short end of the stick. And it is infuriating when somebody comes along and they mess with that system. We could call it like a system of merit or like a system of hard work, right? It's just this idea that things should balance, right? And when somebody messes with that, it makes us so mad because it messes with how we feel like things should work. It messes with our predictable outcomes. When all of a sudden there's some outcome that should not have turned out that way, it throws off the balance of things, the order of things. It causes our heads to kind of spin a little bit. And I think, you know, like it just like it just kind of jacks with us a little bit. And I think there's even more than that going on. I mean, I think honestly, like deep down, there's something going on in our heart that probably we don't want to talk about out loud, but we're going to do that today. We're going to get a little uncomfortable today because I think deep down, I think every one of us, I think we want to know, like in some form or fashion, that everyone will get what they deserve, or at least they'll get what we think they deserve. And we certainly want to know that we can get what we think we deserve. And while this is true in politics, and while it's true in our careers and our relationships and school and kind of the everyday parts of life, this is absolutely true when it comes to faith. This is absolutely true when it comes to our Father in heaven. In fact, many of you, the reason you decided to walk away from faith, the reason you decided that God was not for you, that Jesus didn't make sense, was because God all of a sudden didn't show up for you the way you felt like you deserved. All of a sudden, something didn't make sense. One of those predictable outcomes got messed with. Because I think we all want to know that God will give us what we think we 
deserve. Whether he really, and it kind of goes to this level, whether he gives anybody else what they think they deserve or not, we at least want to know that he'll give us what we think we deserve. And it's, it's okay. Like it doesn't matter to me and it probably doesn't matter to you if other people get what they deserve from God, as long as it doesn't interfere with my opportunity to get what I think I deserve from God. Deep down, like deep down, we want to know that God is just. We want to know that he's fair. We want to know that there is a reward system and that reward system is is based on merit and that that he will reward those who deserve it or at least who we think deserve it. Or at least we think that's what we want. At least we think that's the box that we want God to live in. In fact, today I want us to look at a story that's thousands of years old. It's a story that Jesus told to a group of people who were trying to decide if he was worth following. They were trying to decide that like, hey, if God doesn't act this way, like they thought God should act this way too. They felt like God should live in this box where inputs and outputs equaled and like people got what they deserved and people got what they had coming to them. And they were trying to decide like, hey, is this person worth following if God doesn't behave this way? Because they really wanted him to behave this way. But in this story, we're gonna see that Jesus introduced them to a side of God that they were totally unprepared for. And I think it's a side of God that a lot of us are unprepared for as well. Uh, this story is gonna be found in the New Testament uh, Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Matthew, if you were with us a couple of weeks ago, I introduced you to him. Matthew was an eyewitness account of Jesus. He was one of his disciples. And so Matthew was there when this story was told and he literally just kind of scribed it, wrote it down so that we could read it, so that people could read it for uh, centuries and centuries to follow. And so here it, here it is, Matthew chapter 20, verse one. It's kind of long, so we're gonna throw just a, a little bit up on the screen and then I'm just gonna kind of fly through the rest, but it's a super simple story. So you'll follow along. It's not going to be um, that complicated. So Matthew chapter 20, verse one, Jesus starts this way. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner. All right. So last uh, two weeks ago, when we started this series, I said this kingdom of heaven phrase that it trips us up, but it's a, it's a really pretty simple phrase. It literally is the way Jesus talks about God's economy or God's ethics or God's values. And basically anytime Jesus starts a story like this, the thing we need to pay attention to is that he's about to introduce us to something that's going to be counterintuitive, something that's not going to make a whole lot of sense. He's about to tell a story to where he says, hey, you think God is like this over here, but God's actually like this. Or, or you think life should work this way, but actually life works best this way. And so all of the people around are starting to cue in that this is gonna be one of those weird stories that Jesus would tell. So they're kind of waiting for the twist or waiting for when this thing's gonna get sideways for them. And so he starts, for the kingdom of heaven. Well, it's like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Now, again, so far, so good. Kind of nothing unusual. We know exactly what this is like. This guy's up early, maybe five, six o'clock in the morning, trying to beat the heat of the day. He's got a big project back at the ranch. He's got to make sure it gets done. He needs some supplies. So he goes where everybody would go. He heads down to Home Depot, pick up his supplies. And just like you or I would today, when he pulls into the parking lot, he sees a lot of people who are highly skilled and highly capable workers who are for hire for the day. And so he sees these people and he's like, hey, this makes a lot of sense. I've got a big job. I'm going to find some people that can help me tackle this job. We're going to knock this thing out and hopefully we'll be done by lunch. So he picks the best of the best. And the text says that he agreed to pay them the normal day's wage and he sent them out to work. So he finds highly skilled workers. They agree on pay. They maybe sign a contract, a verbal, a handshake, something, and they 
go and they get to work, all right? So then he continues. Still, kind of nothing unusual at this point. Well, at nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and he saw some people standing around doing nothing. So here we are, probably about three hours later, he's back at Home Depot. We have no idea why. It's probably like every project I do. Takes way more trips than you think it's gonna take, way more supplies. He's already there for his second run. He's thinking, still got a lot of work to do. These guys aren't getting it done as fast as I thought. Why not find some more people? He hires some more people. This time, he tells them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard and they got started, right? All right, so again, pretty normal. The only difference between this instance and the last is that they don't agree on an amount. He just says, hey, I'll pay you whatever's right. You've already missed three hours of the workday. You guys go get started and uh, we'll square up at the end of the day. No big deal. Apparently it was fairly normal because they agreed to it and they got to work. Well, this happens three more times. It happens again at noon. It happens again at three and it happens again at five. Now at five o'clock would have been right towards the end of the workday. Maybe, maybe an hour left at the workday. And so we're gonna jump forward to the end of the workday in the story. We're gonna pick up in verse eight. So we skip forward a little bit. Um, That evening, so about six o'clock, he told his foreman, hey, call the workers in and pay them beginning with the last workers first. And I I slow down to say that because this would have been the first point in the story where this thing finally takes a twist. And everybody there in that day would have known and they would have picked up that, hey, this this is different. This is odd because you always pay the first workers first. You don't ever pay the last workers first. The first work the hardest. They're usually the most skilled. They earn the most. They deserve to get on home. They've been there the longest. They're probably the most tired. So now everybody's kind of leaning in. They're like, hey, where's this going? Why would you pay the last people first? Well, verse nine says, when those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. Now, uh, this is definitely new. All right, so people who probably only worked an hour, they got paid as if they worked the whole day. Now, I think it's interesting here. I don't think anybody's mad at this point. Like, I think now everybody's leaning in at this point. They're like, wait a minute, this guy's amazing. This is like the best foreman ever. This is the best landowner ever. Like, he just paid people that worked an hour. He paid them as if they had worked all day. Now, the people who had actually worked all day, you know what they're thinking, right? We're about to get rich. Like, this is like head to toe Prada, you know, Ben's in the driveway, yacht in the water. Come on, y'all. Like, we're about to get rich. Like, we, this is amazing. This is the one we've been waiting for. Everybody's excited. They're assuming good things for them. In fact, it says, when those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed, there it is, they assumed they would receive even more. But, but they too were paid a day's wage you could have heard a pin drop, right? Like you can imagine their disappointment. We just went from we're about to get rich to wait a minute, we just got paid the same amount as as people who didn't work very hard? Hold on, what's what's going on here? Why why would this happen? You, You understand how they would feel because it's the exact same way you feel right now. That's not right. That's not good. Is that even ethical? That That shouldn't happen. Why in the world would he treat them that way? And Jesus says, that uh, when they received their pay, they protested. That's a really nice way to say they were ticked off. They were really mad. They protested to the owner. Those people, now the gloves are coming off and the name calling is beginning. Those, Those people, those people worked only an hour. 
Those people didn't work as hard as I worked, and yet you paid them just as much as you would pay us. Those people didn't labor all day in the scorching heat for you. Those people, I mean, it's just gross, right? What a phrase, like those people. Those people aren't like us. Those people aren't as good as us. They didn't work as hard as us. They don't deserve as much as us. Oh, those people. And I think when we read it on the pages of something like the New Testament, we think, that we, we think something about the people who said it. We think, oh, those people, I can't believe they would say that. I can't believe they would ever act that way. But think about ourselves for a second. Like how many times do we do the same thing? How many times have we had that same thought? I mean, it, it usually sounds like this though for us. Like, you know, we used to love coming to eat here until those people found this restaurant. And now it's, I mean, we don't, we don't really go there anymore. Like we used to love hanging out over here. But now those people, I mean, those people found it and we don't really hang out much over there anymore. This, this country was great until those people started voting that way. And now I don't even know if I want to live here anymore. This neighborhood, we loved our home until those people moved in. And I don't know that those people deserve to live where we live. I don't know that I want to work here. I worked so hard for that promotion. I worked so hard to get where I am. I deserve that. And then those people showed up. Why do I have to be like those people? This isn't fair. This isn't right. At this point, the landowner answered them, and I imagine he puts his arm around maybe the spokesman. I mean, people are leaving. They're not getting paid. They're walking off. They're frustrated. And he answered them. He said, friend, friend, I haven't been unfair, because that's what this cuts to, right? I haven't been unfair, didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? You and I, we agreed. We had a deal on this. So, so take your money and go. So what? I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? Should you be jealous because I'm, I'm generous? Now we're starting to get somewhere. Now Jesus is starting to meddle a little bit. And he's saying, hey, look, 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 look. I know you're mad. I know you're frustrated. I know this doesn't seem to make sense. I know this cuts against everything you want to be true. But listen to me for a second. No one, no one was underpaid here. No, no one was undervalued. Nobody was, was, nobody was unkind. The landowner wasn't unreasonable to the people who had worked all day. He, he fulfilled all of his commitments. He honored them. He did exactly what they both agreed would happen. He wasn't unreasonable to them. It's just that he was unreasonably kind to somebody else. He was unreasonably generous to somebody who didn't deserve his generosity. And at the end of the day, both like literally and figuratively in this case, the first workers were mad, right? They were mad and they were jealous because they felt like they deserved better. They felt like they deserved more because they worked harder than the people who got paid as much as them. And it's at this point of the story when people are in a frenzy and in, the, in, in a sense of fury that Jesus pulls away back out of the story and he ends his narrative and he, he backs up and he says, so let me give you the point of all this. So those who are last now will be first then. And those who are first will be last. And I can assure you, like just the way you're feeling about this story. I mean, I can feel your tension from here. And trust me, I have the same tension with this story as you do. I can, I can assure you nobody walked away excited that day. In fact, 
probably most people in the crowd decided it wasn't worth it to follow a God like this. Like, I don't know that this is what I want to be a part of. I don't know if this is worth reorienting my life around and devoting my life to. I don't know if I am interested in this because there is probably not a more offensive parable to our way of thinking and their way of thinking than this one. There is certainly not a more offensive parable to our current modern day way of thinking, right? Like we want to live in a system that rewards hard work. We want to live in a system that we know that we can get what we deserve, that if we work a certain way, we'll get certain results, and so will everybody else, and those two things won't ever collide with one another. I mean, it's it's literally built into our American dream, right? Like, it's, it's part of our national ethos that we can all live in a society with very few barriers, right? Like nothing will get in your way of upward mobility that like you can, you can make yourself and your family better financially, economically, relationally, positionally, you know, you you can do all of this and you can do it all by work and through effort and through drive and through determination and you'll get what you deserve. And yes, some people may get what they deserve too, but those two things will never come in conflict with one another because we can all have what we deserve. And Jesus would look at us today as he looked at them and he would say, hey, as long as you're worried about what you deserve, as long as all you can think about is that that people and you and yourself and all the people around you should get what you deserve, then you'll never, ever, ever fully understand my way of thinking. You'll never understand this incredible, incredible life I have for you. Jesus would say, I don't, I don't value merit. The kingdom of heaven isn't about merit. The kingdom of heaven and God doesn't just favor people who are willing to work hard. God isn't keeping score, he would say. He would say, nobody, nobody, not you, not me, not them, not those people, nobody gets what they deserve. You see, nobody was treated unfairly in this story, right? Like we read this story and it seems like it's all about fairness, but nobody was really treated unfairly. I mean, except maybe the landowner. I mean, he was treated unfairly. Like he he gave away more than he had to. He paid unskilled workers more money than they could have ever deserved, more money than they could have ever earned. And I know we don't like to talk about these kind of things, but let's lean in and let's be honest for just a second with one another. It may be really hard for us to figure out like who the first workers are, right? Like it may be hard to get our mind around who are the best, who, who are the hardest working, but we know full well who the last workers are. We know full well who those people are, especially in this time when this was written, because Matthew has made it abundantly clear. Those people are the people on the outside. Those people are the unskilled, the unprofessional, the the unable, the the, the people who are not capable of contributing, right? Like there's a reason they were still available to hire with only one hour left in the workday. Nobody wanted them. They're the social outcast. They're the the misfits. If we're to get really honest, they're me. And they're you. And in Matthew's time, it was the women, it was the children, it was the unskilled, it was the elderly, it was the people that nobody deemed valuable. They were the least of these. And yet the owner of this vineyard, and if you haven't figured it out by now, he represents your father in heaven. The owner of this vineyard valued the least of these. He valued those people, whoever those people are to you, as much as he valued the highly skilled and the capable. And to put it In our terms today, it means that your father in heaven values those people. Like like whoever those people are to you, and I don't know who comes to mind, but there is somebody or there is some group that comes to mind. Your father in heaven values those people, the people you feel like do not deserve as much as you. Your father in heaven values those people as much as he values you. 
You see, in God's economy, in Jesus's system, nobody gets what they deserve. Nobody gets what they deserve. If you were to spend any amount of time at all reading through the New Testament, you would learn pretty quickly that your life and my life is literally a gift from God. Like, I can't create it. I can't sustain it. I can barely maintain it. Like, my life is literally just a gift from God. And a gift is something that you can't earn, right? A gift is something that you don't deserve. And when you look at the New Testament, there's a really fancy $10 word that describes this gift that God gives to you that you or I can't earn or that we can't deserve or that we have because of no merit on our own or we can't work for it. And that word is grace. That word is grace. And ultimately, God, according to this story, God can do whatever he pleases with his grace. And apparently, apparently the good news for you and for me is that apparently it pleases God to be extravagantly, abundantly, recklessly even generous with his grace towards you, towards me, towards everyone, towards everyone, regardless of whether we think they deserve it or not. And that is exactly what the kingdom of God is like. The good news is that God isn't limited by our systems of merit. God isn't limited by our systems of hard work. This gift, this grace, it goes so far beyond what we deserve. It goes so far beyond what we're capable of earning. In fact, instead of giving us what we deserve, Jesus gives us better than we deserve. Think about that. Instead of giving us what we deserve, Jesus gives us better than we deserve. It's what he's modeled for us. It's what he modeled in his life when he hung out with sinners, when he hung out with tax collectors, when he put his arm around the sick and he touched people that nobody would ever get near. It's what he modeled for us in his life when he befriended the Roman oppressors and the enemies that tried to keep them out. And he said, I'm gonna lean in and I'm gonna get to know you and let you get to know me instead of pushing away, instead of giving anybody what they deserved. And it's certainly... It is most certainly what he modeled for us in his death, where he literally refused in his own life, by laying down his own life, he literally refused to hold you or to hold me to the impossibly high standards that we could never, ever reach. And instead of holding us to some impossibly high standard, he gave us what we could never earn. He gave us what we never deserved. He gave us forgiveness that ultimately led to freedom, that ultimately broke these systems that we insist on living by, these systems of hard work and determination and effort and merit and fairness and all of that. He broke it all. And I believe that Jesus told this story, one, to tell us who God is and show us what God is like, but probably way more important to show us who we should be and to show us what we should be like and how we should view everyone and how we should allow this idea to trickle down into every area of our lives and so that it would overturn all of those things that so easily hold us back. And we can get real practical for a second. So like what this, what this means, I think, for us as we think about our lives today, how does this impact? Well, I mean, I think several things. I mean, just let's name a few and you could come up with a thousand more. I think it means that like this week, instead of sitting at that traffic light next, you know, Maybe tomorrow on your way to work, instead of sitting in that traffic light and looking at that homeless person and going, I wonder what they did to deserve that. I wonder what they did. I wonder how they got there. And I don't, I don't know if I should give my $10. I don't know if I should give this gift card. I don't know that I should give away food because I have no idea what their story is. Maybe, maybe they did something. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe 
Instead of thinking all that, maybe just give away the money. Maybe just be recklessly generous because that's what your father in heaven was to you. Instead of trying to figure out what they did or what they deserve, maybe it just means that because of you, their day would be a little bit better. Or we could get even more personal. Maybe it means instead of coming home next week and one more time, your spouse is sitting there on the couch watching that show and the house is a wreck and the kids are running wild and you're thinking, what in the world? Why do you think you need a break? Maybe they don't need a break. But maybe this time you'll think, you know what they deserve? They deserve a break from me. They deserve a break from my cynicism. They deserve a break from my criticism. They deserve a break from my wicked, evil heart. And maybe, just maybe, I can give them something that they don't need, but maybe they deserve. Or or you're having that complicated conversation with your neighbor again, and you've both taken two super complex, difficult issues that people who are paid to think about these things can't even solve. And you've both boiled them down to sound bites that don't even really make sense. And you are just at each other and you are arguing. And instead of this next time, instead of you just digging in and making your point and winning the day and maybe losing your neighbor, maybe it just means this time you're going to lean in. You're going to learn their story. You're going to hear where they're from. You're going to try to understand the world from their perspective. And it may not change anything about your opinion, but it will change something inside of you. And maybe you'll begin to see the errors of the things that you've been holding on to. Maybe they'll get to know where you came from. And all of a sudden, you'll find common ground as you extend to them, not what they need, not what they deserve, but what you can give. You extend the love and the kindness and the grace and the mercy that was extended to you from your heavenly father and you lean into grace like never before. And if you're anything like me, you're arguing with me right now in your heart and your mind, because this is what I've done with myself all week. You're sitting there thinking, yeah, but what about truth? Like I'm right. Like they don't deserve it. What about the people who don't deserve it? Like I'm right. Like I'm not going to extend that. I'm not going to do that for my neighbor or for my spouse or for that person on the side, because what about truth? You never know. I hear you. And you can even take it further. You can say, Jesus was truth, right? Jesus was grace and truth. He was all of those. We can't forget about truth. I mean, there's people who actually deserve to be treated the way that I treat them. And I, I hear you because I, that's where I run to. I run towards truth so fast, but I, I want you to think about something for a second. Here's the thing. I feel fairly certain. Like, I mean, I feel abundantly confident that you and I are in zero danger of ever being too gracious. Like if you decided today, you were gonna be more gracious, more loving, more kind, more merciful than you ever have been ever in your whole life for the rest of your life, I don't think you could be more gracious than your heavenly father has been to you and to me. And at the same time, I feel abundantly certain that we are in danger of something though. I think we are in danger of holding people to standards that we could never, ever meet ourselves. Holding people to what we feel like they deserve, no matter what it is we feel like we deserve. Standards that we could never, ever live up to. Standards that we would never want anybody to hold us to. Come on, think about this. Think about Jesus's life for a second. Not, not like his death, not the gruesome part. Just think about like his life. Think about what you might know about his life, whether it be through stories you've heard other people tell, or maybe you grew up in church and you've heard some of these. Just, just kind of think about his life for a second. Jesus's life was infinitely worse than he deserved. I mean, this is the son of God, right? Like if you, if you read the New Testament and you come to the same conclusions that I do, like this, this is God's son. This is the most powerful being 
ever. He has everything literally at his right hand. He's sitting at the throne of the Father. And he chose to lay it all aside. For what? For you. For me, he chose to leave it all behind. And he he chose to be born to two young teenage parents who had no clue what they were doing. He chose to submit himself to two people who had no idea how to raise a child. He, He was born in the middle of nowhere to nobodies. He lived with nothing. He worked by the sweat of his brow. You and I know very little about him. We know about three years worth of his life and the three years we know weren't so great. They certainly didn't end so well. The most powerful person ever lived and we don't know much about him at all. His life, just his life was infinitely worse than he deserved so that our lives could be infinitely better than we deserve. And when we begin to allow him to overturn those merit systems of our life that drive us, the the hardworking systems, the the fairness systems of our lives, the, the systems that create for us that people should get what they deserve and we should get what we deserve. When we allow him to start overturning those systems in our heart, we become like him. And all of a sudden we stop asking, why, why them? Why those people? What did they do to deserve that? Why, why not me? We, we let go of all of those questions and all of a sudden we pick up better ones. We, we start asking, why do I deserve all this? What did I do to deserve this? Why not them? Why not those people? How can I help them? And we take a step towards the people who don't deserve it, who can't earn it. And we realize at the same time, we are also those people. We are people who don't deserve it, who cannot earn it, who have gotten way more breaks than we could ever deserve. And when it doesn't make sense and it starts to feel impossible and it starts to feel difficult and it doesn't seem like we're able to extend grace anymore and it feels like we're at the end of ourselves. Move past thinking about his life for a second and now think about his death. Because I believe when I read the New Testament that Jesus died on a cross for you and for me and I believe in that moment on full display was the overwhelming, was the never-ending, was the reckless love of a father in heaven who loves you more than you could possibly imagine. I believe what was on full display was the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of a son who was willing to set it all aside so that you and I could not have what we deserve. We don't want what we deserve. That's not worth it. So we could have what we could never earn, what we could never deserve. We could have forgiveness. We could be free from these systems that keep holding us back. We could be free to love everyone the way the Father in heaven loves us because that, that's worth it. So in just a moment, I'm going to close and we're going to pray and then the band's going to come back out and we're going to sing one more song. We're just going to really sing this song kind of over you and I just want you to listen to these words. 
Because these words describe, as Sharita painted for us last week in her message, this picture of a father who would literally leave the 99 and go and search for you. That's how much he loves you. That's how reckless he is. He didn't have to do that. You didn't deserve that. I, don't, I didn't earn that. He would literally tear a house apart to go and find you. He would destroy everything in pursuit of you. He would embarrass himself and run out into the street to grab hold of you because he loves you that much. Not because you deserve it. Not because we can earn it. Let's let go of that and let's pick up something that is way more worth it. Let me pray for you. Father, to be loved by you is something that I think we get over way too quick. I know I do. I move past that. It's, oh, God loves me and then I'm on to the next thing. But um, God, you made sure your love was put on full display for us on the cross. You gave up your son so that we could have life. Not because we earned that, not because we deserved that, actually for the exact opposite. Because we can never earn that. We can never deserve that. And so God, would we be a group of people that would be forever gripped by your love, by your grace, by your kindness, by your mercy? And may we be a people that reflects that into this community. May this be a better place to live, a better place to raise families, a better place to be married, a better place to work because we're just known for our grace, for our kindness, for our goodness, because that's who you are. And that's who you've called us to be. And God, would you give us the courage to let go of all these systems that we hold onto and that hold us back? And would you give us the courage to grab hold of Jesus? And we pray it in his name, amen.